I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm good to see many of you. So Henry David Thoreau wrote this. He says, if a man does not keep pace with his companions, perhaps it's because he hears a different drummer. Let him step to the music which he hears, however measured or far away. Now, to me, that is pretty bold and courageous when I read that. It's bold and courageous to march to your own beat, unless you are marching under the direction of Ramey Heron at North Little Rock High School. And then you had better be marching to the beat of his drummer. Uh, I loved band. I was a trombonist for, for many years, seventh grade up to a couple of years of college. And so I do remember that no matter if it was in the concert hall or, or you were on the marching field or the parade route, it took about half a measure to figure out who was off beat. You could find out really quick. And so it seems there would always be a couple of people, even even if the snare drum was right in their ear, they could not stay on the beat. And for them, Thoreau's concession here, his quote, would make it impossible for the rest of the band to play their beautiful pieces. Just let them step to the music they hear, however measured or far away. And so you could definitely say that they marched to the beat of a different drum. But in one sense, so do Christians, right? We're supposed to, at least. So for us, the drum of opinion and culture is a a direction, is a rhythm that we cannot keep time with. We must not keep time with. We walk to the beat of a different drum. And nowhere is that more obvious when it comes to walking by faith. And I'm excited to begin a new series with you today called By Faith. And we're going to be looking over the next several weeks at Hebrews chapter 11. What we hold up and acknowledge is that great faith chapter And we even identify some people as heroes of faith, men and women of Scripture. But are they heroes? Are they really heroes as we would consider a hero? Or were they just humans like us who with full assurance and inner conviction found the power to stake their lives on unseen realities? So we're going to begin the same way that many of you eat your Oreos. We're going to start in the middle and we're going to work our way out. So let's go to Matthew this morning. Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to launch from. Matthew chapter 1 and beginning in verse 18. Scripture writes, Now the birth of Jesus Christ happened this way. While his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband-to-be, was a righteous man, And because he did not want to disgrace her, he intended to divorce her privately. And when he had contemplated this, and sometimes our first instinct of action is not God's will. When he he thought about what was going on, sometimes it even violates our understanding. And what we see when God calls us to walk by faith opposes our logic. And we want to push back against it, don't we? When we read what God speaks. So, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And so the angel speaks and says, look, I I know you are confused. I know you're bewildered by all of this. I know you're having a, a hard time making sense of what I'm trying to tell you now, this situation that you're in. But he says what? He says this all happened so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet will be fulfilled. He says it's not random what is going on now. This isn't by chance that this has happened to you. 
And I can even hear the Apostle Paul later on in Romans chapter 8, in verse 28, when he says, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Why? Because those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. And His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And so all of this, the, the, the parts that you like, the parts that you don't like, the parts that you get and you understand, and the parts that keep you awake at night, all things, God will work together for good. And so He says, look, in verse 23, look, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord told him. He took his wife, but did not have marital relations with her until she gave birth to a son whom he named Jesus. And so the Christian faith is a story of new beginnings, a story of renewal. But it's funny because the story seems to begin at what might look like a dead end, an impasse, a construction zone, if we will. And so by the time you get to Matthew chapter 1, You've got the voice of God which has seemed to have been silent, especially in Scripture from the time of Malachi the prophet, for about 400 years till we get to this point where we read these first words of Matthew. And so to break the silence, Matthew recalls for us in his first chapter these 14 generations between Abraham and David, between the father of the faith and the great King David, and 14 more between David and the Babylonian exile of the people of Israel, and 14 more between the, the end of the exile and the birth of Jesus. So you've got these generations here, this list of names. But as we saw on Mother's Day, a list is never just a list when it's in Scripture. These names are significant in showing how on the pages of Scripture, heaven may have seemed to have reached a dead end. But God sent the law, right, to Moses through Moses, and the people broke it. Literally, right? Before Moses could get down from the mountain, the tablets were broken and the people were dancing naked before this idol and they got tired of waiting on a God that they could not see. And so the prophets God sent to proclaim His will, they were turned away, they were despised, they were rejected, they were died. Many of them were killed at the hands of, of the people, the very people they came to deliver because they did not understand. And so it seems we're at an impasse here. And the true character of God cannot break through the stubbornness of humanity. And so what we get is 42 generations of frustration. 42 generations before suddenly Christ is born. A Savior is born. And a holy God cannot violate His holiness by being a, a part of this unholy people. And unholy people have no way with union with this holy God except to reclaim their presence, place in the presence of God. How do we do that? It appears we're at a dead end. And suddenly there comes this ladder, this ladder from heaven named Jesus. This ladder doesn't go up. The ladder comes down. And God comes to this earth in the form of Jesus Christ. From the ground up to God, no, not like the people of Babel tried to do, but God to earth. And so God extends this ladder. And Joseph might have been looking forward to having Mary as his wife. Maybe he was looking forward to that, and now it appears he's at a dead end. What do I do now? Because she's pregnant. She's claiming she got pregnant by God. You know. So what do you, what do, you do? And those of us who've heard this all of our lives, we skip over this. You think about this. Mary has a baby, and it's got... Chromosomes would appear to be all Y's and no X. 
And this stuff doesn't happen every day. This is a miracle that has happened. And it must have been hard. We have no record that Joseph has ever experienced a miracle in his life before, but he's got one now. What do you do with it? He doesn't recognize it. So he, doesn't, he has to take the angel at his word. When Joseph saw no way forward. That's hard to do, isn't it? To take God at His word when we see no way forward. And so he wants to marry her and he's looking for a way to go through with it. But the law that he follows righteously, the law says put her away. And Joseph is a righteous man and so he's going to do it discreetly. He looks for a way to put her away discreetly so as not to humiliate her. In verse 19, because he did not want to disgrace her, he intended to divorce her privately. But sometimes what I have in mind is not what God has in store. So I've got to recalculate my route here. And so Joseph seems to be at a dead end. So she has a baby. It's not mine. She says it's from the Lord. Heaven's at a dead end. Humanity's at a dead end. Joseph is at a dead end. I wonder if there's anybody in here today. You feel like you're at a dead end? Ever? When you've done all you can for someone else or in some situation that you find yourself in and you find yourself before God pleading, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do. I don't know where else to go. Or when you made so many commitments to change your life, but then you seem to never change. Over and over again, you find yourself back pleading to God, forgive me, because here I go again. I'm going to do better now. This is really the last time, only it's really never the last time. And you become a little more hopeless that you'll ever be capable of changing. Well, if you're at a dead end, that's a perfect place for God to start a new beginning, especially in Jesus Christ. And so the story is not about a baby in a manger. The story is about the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. That's what this story is about. And so because the announcement of heaven is that this is not the end, but this is the beginning. And I admire Joseph because I'm not sure I'd have had the faith to give Mary the benefit of the doubt here. I mean, you put yourself in this man's place, in his position. Verse 24, when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord told him. He took his wife. I mean, he, he woke up and he was like, all right. <laughs> and I'm not, I don't think I would be that way. Just wake up and be, okay, God, whatever you say. I struggle with this. I don't know that I'm cool with it being just a dream. I think I would, I would need to be on a, a Jerusalem daytime talk show asking for a paternity test to find out where we're going from here. He did what the angel commanded him to do. Look back in verse 20. The angel said, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He says, Don't be afraid because what's in her is from me. What you are seeing is from me. And so we realize that sometimes what's packaged is disappointment in our life. God will turn into fortune. And sometimes when life and people let you down, it looks on the surface like God has abandoned you. But what is in her, he says, what's happening in your life is from me. And Joseph believed it. Joseph goes with it. And I read this section over and over again. I read it in a few different translations. I looked in Greek. I, I googled the Latin. And nowhere could I find the verse where it says that Joseph has proof. That God gives Joseph proof. He says, don't worry, Joseph. What is in her is from me. And that's all he gets. And then I look again. And I can't find the part that tells me how Joseph felt about it. 
It's not in there. All I find is God says to Joseph, it's me. Now you go forward. It's me. Now let's move on. And he did. He did it. There's no handwriting on the wall. There's no ultrasound picture formed in the clouds. It's just God saying, it's me. Now go. And you may not have the proof that you want. You may not have the feeling that you're looking for, needing, and all the signs point to stopping. Perhaps God is saying, it's me. Now let's go. And Joseph must have really trusted Mary, right? When they had this conversation. Can you imagine the conversation? He must have really trusted Mary. How could he trust Mary? They didn't date for three years before they were married. This was an arranged marriage. I'm not going back to Providence because, yes, ultimately it was an arranged marriage, but in this day and time, it was an arranged marriage. And so he didn't pick her profile on HebrewSingles.com. You know, he didn't swipe right or swipe left or whatever it is when you're accepting or rejecting, you know. He must have really trusted Mary. No, he didn't trust Mary. Joseph trusted God. He trusted God because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And for me, that means that when it doesn't add up, the variable is God. And so you would never win a case in court with this approach. But in the realm of faith, this is how it works. The verdict first, and then the evidence comes. That would stand up in our court of law. Here's the verdict. Now I'm going to bring the evidence later. No, but that's how God works. God says, do this. And one day, you may or may not understand. So what does that mean? It means I don't look to my bank account to see if God is a provider. And I don't look to my doctor's report to see if God is a healer. I've already come to that conclusion because God demonstrates His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So now, no matter what the evidence is, I can find greater evidence in the death of Jesus Christ because He settled it out of court for me. And I don't always see it, but I believe it. And faith is not the absence of doubt. Whoa, you, you can't have faith and doubt. I hope so. Because sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. Scripture doesn't say you cannot have faith and doubt. It just says you must not give in to your doubt. We don't read that Joseph had no doubt. We read that even if he did, he still followed God. And so, of course, we have doubts throughout life. We just cannot let our doubts be the stopping point. Our doubts cannot be our dead ends. And so a lot of people miss out on the blessing of God, blessing that God is bringing to them because they, they will not walk through the doubt to get to the blessing. And it's hard to do. And for me, faith is not the absence of doubt, but it, faith is the means to overcome my doubt. And so the triumph of faith is not the absence of doubt. The triumph of faith is the ability for light to shine in the deepest, darkest recesses of my heart. That even there is my glimmer of hope, my glimmer of belief. It's where God shines. I have doubts, but I trust Him anyway. Psalm 23 and verse 4, we read that, Even when I must walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for You are with me. Your rod and your staff reassure me. They comfort me even though I will. Even though I will. You mean I'm forgiven? I don't 
feel forgiven. I don't look forgiven. After what I've done, not only that, but what I still do, I'm forgiven. See, I have my faith. But there are times when I still wrestle with doubt. And there are people you know who think Jesus is out of reach for them because they can't fully grasp that God loved the world so much that He would give His only Son to die for them. They need to know. They need to know that faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we yet see. And so faith is what keeps you standing on it even when you cannot see it and when you cannot feel it or when you cannot explain it. And I know as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, then if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away. Look, what is new has come. But Sean wrestles because there's still some old stuff that tries to tag along with me. It comes out when I'm in traffic. See, the lifetime journey of learning faith is seen in our children. It's a lifetime journey because I... I hear my kids and you hear children say, where did God come from and how has He always been here? See, that's a journey of faith. It's not something you can explain. It's something you have to come to understand. And we try to teach them to have patience with mystery. And we struggle with that the older we get. We have problems with mystery. Which is why we struggle with God sometimes. Because God is a mystery to us. He is revealed in the only way He can to our humanness. And yet, He still remains a mystery in some ways. And we struggle with it. I don't understand it. And that can lead to doubts. But I trust Him anyway. And a lot of people are waiting for doubt to disappear before they take the next step of faith. And if the absence of doubt was a prerequisite to being used by God, then Mary could not have been the mother of Jesus. And the angel spoke to Mary alone. Remember, he spoke to her alone because Mary had to make a decision for herself. She had to to make her own decision, not influenced by Joseph or anyone else. In Luke chapter 1, we read what happens here. In verse 28, the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. That's how the conversation begins. Before he drops the news to her of what's going on and what's about to happen, he reminds her that she is favored by God. She is favored and that He is with her. So he says, you are highly favored. He's with you in this moment. God says, I love you and I am always with you. And now this is going to be painful. And you are going to push back against this. It's going to be difficult in your life. And you're not going to fully understand what's happening to you, what's going on. And look how Mary responded. She responded, praise the Lord. The Lord is good. Exalt the Lord. Goodwill and peace to all people on earth. Is that how she responded? Absolutely not. That's not. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be? How can this be? I'm a virgin. Her first words are, how can this be? Her first words are not, yes, but how? And in that life with us, in that life with us, when life comes to us, many times our first response is not, yes, but it's why or how. That's a great starting place. How is a great starting place. How can someone die for me Knowing that I am who I am or I've been who I've been. That's a great starting place in a conversation. How? 
How can God do this? How can someone love me unconditionally when I have trouble loving myself? How can you really use me, God, knowing who I am and what I've done? How can I move forward after this? And God's greatest blessings are many times waiting on the other side of how. Because that's where God reveals His wow. (laughs) And so God wrapped His wow, His Son, in swaddling clothes and laid Him in a manger where you would walk by and you would miss Him unless you were looking for Him. That's how God works, it seems, many times. How can God bless me in my doubt? Because God gave us proof. If God gave you proof, you would not need faith. And without faith, It is impossible to please Him, for the one who approaches God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. And so in an Instagram generation, we have trouble understanding what a darkroom is. A darkroom is where you go develop pictures, right? And sometimes God needs to take us to the darkroom of life so that He can more fully develop the picture of our life, what He has planned for us, in store for us. The dark room of understanding where God reveals a lot more of His will for our life. Doubt is where faith matures. It's where faith develops. Doubt is where faith gets Christian cliches that fit on a bumper sticker or Pinterest off the table. Let it develop. The angel quoted the prophet Isaiah to Joseph. And the prophet also said in Isaiah chapter 1, he said, nevertheless, Nevertheless, that's a cool word to me. It rolls off the tongue. Nevertheless, I like those words. It means something looks one way, but it's really another. It looks this way to me, but God really has some other intent for it. He's going to use it for some other purpose. It means the verdict is already submitted. The evidence isn't quite in yet. So nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, He will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The the, the mind here, the prophet, is bringing the people's mind. I understand what it looks like to be cast away from God. As you are in exile here, I understand how you feel that God is as far away from you, you think, as you could possibly imagine. I understand that. And the people walking in darkness, though, have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And the psalmist would say, although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. I'm going through this. I can't get out of this. But I will not fear. I do not have to fear. And although Isaiah is speaking about something that's about 700 years or so in the future, that's how long before the manger as Isaiah prophesies here, he reminds us that God stands outside of time. God is not bound by time or circumstance. He knows what we're going through. He knows how long we'll go through it. And He knows what's waiting on the other side. Faith gives me the ability to stand in the darkest valley, believing that the light has already come. I can go to trial knowing the verdict, even before I see the evidence. Faith learns to depend on God because of doubt. It reminds us that He is God and we are not. That's one of the big things that faith does for us. And the benefit of wrestling with God is that that's where we find His goodness. Where we truly see it. Not in self-confidence, but in self-doubt. But how can this be? How can we see God's goodness in self-doubt? The angel said the power of the Most High will overshadow you, Mary. 
But she had to make the decision to believe God in face of the evidence that seemed to contradict that promise. God's favor is upon you. Then why has this happened to me? Do you realize what everybody I know is going to think about me? What I'm going to have to endure now? Do you realize what you have done to me, God? And we know He did. God knew exactly what Mary was going to have to go through. That every dead end can be a doorway if you decide to go through it. So if you're standing at a doorway called doubt and you make the decision to walk through it today and you trust God in whatever situation you find yourself in, then you may find yourself on the other side a greater glory than you can imagine. But if you stop with why, if you stop with how, you stop with when, you stop with what, if you wait until all the evidence to trust God, then you may never take Mary home. And you may never realize the blessing that God has in store for you. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Our greatest faith may be on the other side of our deepest doubt. And God has a grace that is greater than doubt. And Lord, I do believe, but I need You to help my unbelief. Lord, I believe I need You to help my unbelief. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is Your Son. I believe that You put flesh on Him. He came to this earth, was born of a woman, lived as a human, endured all things just as I do and will, yet He did not sin. And because of that, Lord, I believe that You accepted Him as the perfect Lamb of God and that He freely walked to the cross, that He was nailed to the cross not because He wanted to, but because You wanted Him to. And God, because of His love for You and His love for me, it changed His personal desire. God, if there's any other way, remove this from me. He changed His personal desire to Your holy will. Nevertheless, let Your will be done and not mine. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief tomorrow. When sin creeps back into my life in the, in the face of a, somebody I, have, I work with, in the face of somebody I'm going to come in contact with, in the face of somebody I live with, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. God, this week as I struggle with that sin that I have tried to kick time and time and time again, Lord, I believe that the blood of Your Son continually cleanses me from my sin as I repent, confess to You. But Lord, help my unbelief because I'm not sure I can forgive myself. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And this morning, Jesus calls you in whatever stage of faith you are to put that faith in Him, your trust in Him, and come to know Him as your Lord and Savior. Will you come to Jesus Christ? Will you be baptized this morning for the forgiveness of your sins? But how will I know? What will I feel? Faith. Faith. Faith is the assurance in what we hope for. It's the evidence of what we can yet see. And God will give you the blessing of His Spirit to help increase your faith day by day as you walk with Him in the family of God, in the church of His Son, to help encourage and walk with you also. This morning, where do you stand? What dead end are you at? God is calling you through it to a new beginning in Jesus Christ. If we can pray with you this morning as we stand and
sing this good song, if we can celebrate with your decision to be baptized into Christ, will you come now as we stand and sing?